every single day on the face of the planet than ever in the history of mankind. We live in a time where the church has grown faster and more rapidly throughout the world in places like China and Vietnam and, and all those sorts of places faster than it's ever grown any other time in the church. Father, we thank you that the gospel is advancing at a greater pace than it ever has any other time in the history of mankind. And we thank you that you planted us right smack in the middle of the greatest move of God that this world has ever seen. And I pray this morning that as we hear your word, that something would stir on the inside of us that would get us out of apathy and into action so that we can ride along on this incredible journey of seeing God do something amazing, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? All right, so I'm feeling pretty pumped this morning. Let me turn to our favorite verse that we've been preaching on now for a wee while, and that is in 2 Samuel 23, verse 20. Does anybody know what that says? It's up there. I'm helping you. You could have been brilliant and say, I know what it is, and you would have got a prize. You would have got a, if you, if you had quoted it to me, you would have fully expate fully paid expense trip to Hawaii for free, but nobody did it, so maybe next week. All right, it says this, Benaniah, son of Jehadiah, a valiant fighter. Everybody say, a valiant fighter. Let's say it with a little bit more passion this morning. A valiant fighter. There we go. From Kaziel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors, and he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. I think everything that you could ever need to know about Benaniah is summed up in three words in this scripture. A valiant fighter. If there's anything that described Benaniah, it's not that he killed a lion in a snowy pit and it's not that he killed Moab's mightiest warriors. It's the fact that he was a valiant man, a valiant fighter. He was filled with fight. I don't know about you this morning, but apparently the first rule of Fight Club is that you don't talk about Fight Club. But this morning, we're going to talk about Fight Club because every single one of us have been born for a fight. We have been born to fight for what it is that God has planned for our lives. And fighters never shrink back when the odds are against them. They always fight for what they believe in. That's why we love those movies, you know, where the guy's down and he's out and he fights back against all the odds. And we love that. We celebrate that. We love those kind of movies like Gladiator, you know. It's just, we love that sort of stuff. Why? Because on each and every one of us, on the inside of us, God has put a fight on the inside of you. And too often we tend not to fight. We tend to think that Christianity is all about love and it's all about you know, just loving people and all that. So, and it is, but you've got to understand that Jesus, in showing his love, had the biggest fight that the universe has ever seen when he defeated the devil on the cross. It, it wasn't love. There was a fight, a fight of love. And every single one of us has a fight on the inside of us. And, and the thing about Ben and I is that he goes into this pit on a snowy day with a lion and I'm here to tell you this morning, the only way that you're going to get out of your pit is to fight your way out. I, I thought God would deliver me. God will deliver you, but you have to fight. Are you hearing me this morning? You have to fight. 
It's not, it's not I sit here on my backside and God does everything for me. No, he wants you to participate. He wants you to be all the things that he created you to be. And you don't get to be the thing that he created you to be if you don't fight. You'll stay in the pit with the lion until you're prepared to fight your way out. Oh, the battle belongs to the Lord, Craig. You know, the battle does belong to the Lord, but it says this, that he'll lift up, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the scripture says he raises a standard against it. What's a standard? A standard is something that gets raised in the middle of the army, which is a rally cry for the army to come together to fight. It's not that God does the fight for you, it's that the fight belongs to him, but he raises the standard to rally you and me and everyone in this place to come up as an army and fight against the enemy. Come on. You, you don't get to be passive in Christianity. You don't get to sit back and not fight. You don't get to be somebody who's not involved because you were born for this. You were born into the fight. So you have to fight. So many people are like, my life is miserable or my, my life is going through this and this. And this. Well, Fight. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for pulling down strongholds. If there's a stronghold in your world, God has given you the tool to pull it down. Next week, we're going to look at our thoughts because the Bible says this, take every thought captive that rises itself up against the knowledge of God. I think that's a really interesting thought. So it says, take a thought that rises up against God captive. I thought if a thought came in my head that wasn't a God's, I want to get rid of it. Hello? But the scripture says take it captive and next week you're going to, we're going to understand why he says take it a prisoner because there's something that God has planned for you and you need to understand how he works. I don't want to give it away this week but there's only one way, friend, for you to get out of a pit with a lion on a snowy day, and that's to fight your way out. But I suppose the question is this to you and me this morning, and that is, are you willing to fight for your dream? Are you willing to fight for your family? Are you willing to fight for your healing? Are you willing to fight for all that God has given you? Because I can tell you now, if you're not prepared to, there's somebody who's fighting against you. And in John 10.10, it says this, the thief. The enemy, the devil, comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus, that you may have life and have it to the full. So the enemy comes for one purpose and one purpose only, and it's not to leave you alone. It's not if I leave him alone, he'll leave me alone. He isn't going to leave you alone. The Bible says that he comes to steal your joy, kill your dreams, and destroy your life. Whether you want to fight or not, he's throwing punches. Whether you want, I don't really want to be that kind of a person. I don't really want to fight. Well, he's going to throw punches. If you, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my house, there tends to be a little bit of a play fight going on, you know? And, and because dad's the champ, because all dads know that you fight your sons until they're big enough to beat you, then play fighting is not allowed in this house any longer. Because I don't play fight to, to lose on purpose so that he feels good about himself. He ain't beating me. Can I get an amen from the dads in this place? You do not let the boy win, yes? When he can win is when you stop. 
But sometimes in my house, um, because somebody's not winning, they get a little bit psycho. You know? You know what I'm saying? They, they grow a whole nother side to them. And they start to sound like Beelzebub in the way that they're speaking. And, and the arms and the legs are flying everywhere. And now it's not controlled play fighting. Now he wants to hurt me. Yes? But I don't want to hurt him. So we do this kind of thing where I put my hand on his head, you know, and the arms are swinging and nothing's connecting. And, and you know, and because and I, I, don't, I don't want to hurt him. You know, some of us in our Christian world are like, well, I don't really want to be a fighter, but we don't even put our hand out to stop the enemy from reaching us. We just take the hits. We, we just let him beat on us. And then we tell the person that we're friends with or the person next to us or our connect group leader, you know, all this and this, and oh, man, my life is the... And, and we've done nothing. We haven't fought back. We haven't... The Bible says this, doing all, stand then. Come on. We've got to fight our way out of situations. We can't be passive in it. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full, but there's a thief that wants to destroy you. He is coming against you, and you've got to rise up. Because simply put, what the Scripture really says is that you and I were born on the battlefield. We were born into a fight. It's not something you decided that you want to be in. You were born into it. There is a fight between heaven and hell, between sin and life. And you, friend, the moment that you're born, you're born into the battlefield of this fight. And we're going to decide what we're going to do with it. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I don't know about you, but we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The stuff that roars at us in our lives, our insecurities, our hurts, our offenses, the stuff that has happened to us, they roar at us constantly. It's the enemy just trying to intimidate, trying to get you. Because the key thing about the scriptures is like a roaring lion. In other words, the enemy is actually a poser. Come on, he's a poser. He's pretending to be something that he is not. There's a song that used to go, the enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold him down. The enemy has been defeated. He roars like he's winning, but he's a poser. And the only way, friend, for us to deal with his roar is to refuse to be intimidated by it. Refuse to let it get on you. And when, you know, I've heard this said before, but I say it again, when the enemy reminds you of your past, you just got to remind him of his future. I've read the end of the book and we win. Come on. I don't know about you, but it's one thing watching a rugby game live. It's another thing watching it after you know you've already won. What's the point? Yeah? But we've already won, so that means any battle I go into, I'm on the winning side. I can't lose. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'd sign up to play any sport if there's a guarantee I was going to win week in, week out. We are guaranteed our victory every single time because Jesus has already won, and when we step in, we're really just fighting against the intimidation and the roars 
of the enemy. It's not even really about us having to defeat him. He's already defeated. It's about us raising up a roar on the inside of us that is more dominant than the roar that's coming at us. And so we fight back with words of faith and we fight back with songs of praise. And uh, this person doesn't know this, but I'm about to ask him to come up and share a quick little testimony with you. So Justin, you can make your mosey your little way up here because 12 months ago, I was praying with Justin that he'd get a job because he'd been out of work for a while and he's stressing out a little bit. 12 months ago, yeah, we were praying for a job. 12 months later, why don't you tell them what's happening now? Do I start from the beginning? <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm not going to keep you guys too long. So 12 months ago, I actually had a chat to Craig on Friday. Um, something became quite apparent. So 12 months ago, it was hard. It was really, really hard. I'd gone from being a high-flying business person to being unemployed, ostensibly. Um, you know, we started our own business and stuff, but it, it wasn't really the right place where we wanted to be. A lot of prayer went into it. Twelve months later, God has turned it around. He's put us in a position, I think, pretty much on par with where we were, if not better. And I'm now in a position where God has opened doors to potential ownership in the company as well. Twelve months. Twelve months from unemployment to his boss saying to him, I want you to buy into the company. Come on, I'm telling you, we are on the winning team. We are on the winning team. you just got to be prepared to fight through the low times to get to the high times. A lion's roar is meant to uh, mean dominance. It's meant to communicate dominance. It's its way of asserting authority over a territory. And the only way, like I said before, for that for that lion to back off is when the roar comes from something else that's more powerful. And we know that he's a poser, but God is not. Jesus is the lion of Judah. He's the real lion with the real roar, and it always claims its territory. Are you with me this morning? When we praise and when we start to lift our voices and step out in faith, the roar of the Lion of Judah is so loud that it creates a dominance and it takes territory from uh, the very thing that is trying to hold you back. But we've got to fight our way out of the things. You know, last week I shared how when I was at the Lion Park in Rotorua, I got the fright of my life when even though there was a cage between me and the lion, when it roared at me, uh, it, you know, I wanted to run for the hills, yes? There was a fence between me and him. Between me and him. I'm just going through puberty. Um, between me and him, but I ran. He was in a cage. I was free, but I ran. Oh man, there's so many Christians like that today. The enemy is defeated, he's the one in the cage, he's the one hiding behind the gates of hell that we're meant to prevail against, he's the one that's locked himself away, he's the one that's caged in, but we're living like we're caged and he's free. It's time for us to start living like we're free and he's caged because that's the truth. I am free. Jesus Christ has set me free, free indeed. 
and I am free, and you're free, and it's time for us to start living free. He's caged, not you. He's the one behind the fence, not you. He's the one that can't get to you, not you can't get to him. The Bible says this, that you sit in the palm of God's hand, and no one can take you out without his okay. He can't get at you. He is caged. He's locked in. But why do we live like we're caged and locked in? Like we can't do because we haven't been prepared to fight. We've got to stop living like the one that's caged and start living like the one that's free. And in 1 John 4, 4 it says this, He who is in you, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Come on this morning, some of you, man, your problems aren't necessarily going to go away, but you can change your perspective on your problems. You can start to introduce your problems to your God. You need to start preaching to your problems, prophesying to your problems, speaking God's promises over your problems. It's not time to sit back and go, woe is me, and my life is hard. I get that it is, and I'm not trying to belittle it. But friend, you've got to fight. You've got to fight. You can't afford to let him take you out because it's not just your life at stake. It's your kids' lives. It's your grandkids' lives. It's the lives of the people in our community if we allow this passivity, this apathy to just take us out. Come on, friend. Like this morning, we've just got to get something on the inside of us that says, you know what? I don't know about you, but I'm I'm just not okay with where my life is at. I'm not okay with it. I want more. I want to see God do bigger things. And I remember complaining to God about it this week and saying, God, you've got to do more. This is not enough. And he said to me, I've done everything that I need to do. It's time for you to do what you need to do. I've won the victory. I've saved you. I've delivered you. Now can you please start to live like a king that has authority? And I believe that something has to happen on the inside of us that just says, I'm up for the fight. I'm ready for the fight today. I'm ready to go after it. You know, whatever you're facing, can I, ask, can I, can I say this to you today? Why don't you pick a fight with it? Pick a fight with poverty. Pick a fight with your cancer. Pick a fight with your depression. Come on, let's, let's pick a fight. Not with each other, but let's pick a fight with the enemy. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Let's pick a fight with them. Let's not get angry with our husband or angry with our wife or angry with our kids. Let's pick a fight with the spirit that's, that's pushing and prodding them, that's influencing them. I was preaching to myself this morning. I, I just think it's just time. It's like, you know, I, maybe this is fresh in my spirit because the enemy tried to take my beautiful wife out just over a week ago. But it was like, I got something on the inside of me. So you try, are you going to take your, I'm going to take you out. You had your shot. Now it's my turn. You threw your punch. Now I'm going to throw mine. You know, come on, we just got to, I don't know, just got to get something on the inside of us that just says, you know what, I'm on the winning side and I'm sick of losing. Come on. You see, valor, valiant 
he was. You see, if you're willing to fight, you'll have a fighting chance. And the word valor is where we get the word valiant from. And valor is actually a gift. To have valor is an actual gift. Because the thing about valor is this. You don't know whether you're going to have it until you're in a situation where you have to use it. I don't know about you, but have you done this before where you've thought about circumstances or situations and, you know, like if you're walking along the road one, you know, walking along the street one day and there's a house on fire, you'd like to think that you'd be, have enough valor to go into the house and save people, you know? Have you ever thought that? Or if you're in town with your family and some idiot confronts you on Queen Street, you know, yeah, I, I, I could defend. You see, it's easy to think that you could have valor, but you don't know whether you have valor until you're in a position where you're fighting a lion in a pit. Why? Because valor is a gift, and valor only really reveals itself in our reactions. Valor is less about action and more about reaction. You see, it's how we react that shows whether we have valor or not. It's the process of our reaction. Reactions are way more revealing than actions. How people react to situations is is a revealer way more than the actions of somebody. And I think that when we go through difficult times, it's like God's test of our character is how we react or how we respond. See, you never really know how you're going to react until you cross paths with a lion in a snowy pit. Come on. You, you don't really know how you're going to respond. I remember a friend of mine, really, really, really good friend of mine, and uh, he was my best friend all the way through. Trinity used to, uh, he used to turn up at our house at like 11 p.m. at night, knock on the door, and we'd go and hit golf balls at the 24-hour golf range. It was a weird relationship. And, uh, and I remember talking with him one day, and, and because, you know, if you love somebody, you tell them the truth. And, and I said to him, my biggest concern for you, mate, is that you've never really had a difficult time in your life. And, you know, you don't really know how solid you are in God until something happens, you know, because this kid, his parents were awesome. He was raised in a great home. But, you know, when he wanted to buy his first house, they paid for it. You know, like he never, it's, he never really had to, go through something tough until his wife had an affair with the gym instructor. And this guy, within four weeks, had completely walked away from God and is still away from God. What would it be, Trinity, 15 years later? 17 years later, he's still away from God because something on the inside of him just broke. He didn't fight his way out of the pit. He just just didn't have the fight in him because he hadn't gone through some tough things. And even though everybody's like, this guy's solid, you don't know how solid you are until your solidness is shaken. They say this, that until the pain of staying the same becomes more than the pain of change, nothing happens, we just simply maintain I don't want to be somebody that maintains my pain. I don't want to be somebody that maintains a life. I want to be somebody who flourishes in life. I don't know about you, but, you know, we convince ourselves that playing it safe is safe. 
We do. We convince ourselves that if I play it safe, I'll be safe. But I want to tell you today that when we face God on Judgment Day, the biggest risk that you're putting yourself at is not taking a risk at all. You see, I, I don't think anybody in this world is lucky. There's just some people that are prepared to step out and take risks bigger than some others. I, met, I used to work for BMW, and I used to look after all the VIP customers, and there was this one guy, and uh, he, he was the one that brought the waterfront down there and developed um, the Hilton Hotel and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and he was worth millions of dollars, and I got to drive him home to his house one day, and and I said to him, what do you think the secret of success is? And he goes, the secret of success is being prepared to fail enough times that you find your successful time. And he said, you know, nine times I have failed in business. Three times I have made a million dollars and gone bankrupt again. This is my fourth time around the mountain. I think I've learned all my lessons, he says. You know, the thing is about me is I'd try once, and if it failed, I'd never try again. He failed once, twice, three times, four times. What does the scripture say? A righteous man falls down seven times, he gets up again. And I think some of the reason why we stop fighting is because sometimes we've been defeated or we've been knocked down. And we're like, you know what? I've tried this two or three times and, and it's, it's, I, I just can't win this thing. Mo, uh, Elijah sends his servant up to look for rain, for a cloud. He goes one time, no cloud. Two times, no cloud. Three times, six times. Seven times he comes back. There's one the size of the hand. And he goes, run for your life because it's about to come down like crazy. You know what I'm saying? What if he stopped after two? What if he stopped after three? What if he stopped after four? You see, fighters don't stop. Fighters keep fighting until what they believe comes to pass. Fighters never quit. You see, delayed obedience disguised as caution is just disobedience. If God's told you to do something and you're like, well, I just want to be careful about how we go about this, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but if you're allowing that caution to stop you from doing what it is that he's asked you to do, that's not caution, that's disobedience. It's not doing what he's asked you to do. It won't get you where God wants you to go because, friend, you have to understand something. Faith isn't logical and faith isn't illogical. Faith is theological. Come on. Faith is not logic and it's not illogic. Faith is not, I've got this all worked out in my head and faith is not, I have no clue how this has happened and I'm just going to be crazy about it. Faith is theological. It is God-inspired. It has a God thing in it. It has God driving it. It's not something that we wish for. It's not something we cross our fingers for. It's in His Word, and it's something that we build our life on. It's theological. It's not logical, and it's not illogical. It's theological. It's not a nice thought, or it's not unthoughtful. It's valor in the face of a lion. It is a reaction, a response to a situation. Noah looked foolish building an ark in the desert. Sarah looked foolish buying maternity clothes when she was 90 years of age. David looked foolish attacking Goliath with a slingshot. Benaniah looked foolish chasing a lion. Peter looked foolish stepping out of the boat. Jesus looked foolish having, hanging half naked on a cross. But faith is the willingness to look foolish 
and letting the results speak for themselves because when these guys stepped out and looked foolish, the results were that Noah survived the flood, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, David defeated Goliath, Ben and I killed the lion in a pit on a snowy day, Peter walked on water and Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because faith is theological. It's God-inspired. It's God-driven. It has a God component to it. And you'll never know what it is to kill a giant. You'll never know what it is to kill a lion in your life if you're not prepared to look foolish for God. We're so afraid of looking foolish, but the fear of looking foolish, that is foolish. Because until you're prepared to step out and fight that lion... And get yourself out of the pit. People will say to you, it's never going to happen. It can't happen. It won't happen. Friend, you just, they're going to say, you imagine Noah? Noah, there'd never been rain. He's in the middle of the desert. He's not even on the coastline. And he built this ark for hundreds of years. Because he believed that God had spoken to him. He fought his fight. What if the life you really want, what if the future that God wants for you is hiding right now in your biggest problem, your biggest failure, or your greatest fear? What if the very thing that you're desiring, that you'd like to see happen in your life, is hidden in your greatest problem right now, your greatest fear right now? You see, Moses had a similar situation in Exodus 4, 1 to 4. It says, Moses answered and he said to God, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you because God's asked them to go and deliver the Israelites. And then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he says, a staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And listen to this. And he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. You see, the thing that Moses needed the most was in the form of the thing he feared the most. What if the thing that you need right now is the thing that you fear the most and you just got to grab that sucker by the tail? What if it's not that God has let you down? What if it's that you haven't grabbed it by the tail? You know, what if faith often commands you to confront the thing that you're running from? You see, impossible odds never break the spirit of a lion chaser. Ben and I didn't flinch once. Noah never questioned whether the flood would happen. David never doubted that the sling would kill Goliath because they understood something, that they're on the winning side. That they're on the winning side and they would always win at the end of their fight. Impossible odds steal the resolve and fuel the fire of a lion chaser. Lion chasers have a sanctified 
stubborn streak to them that refuses to give up and won't ever let go and will never stop fighting for their God-given dreams. Lion chasers don't do defensive. Lion chasers only ever do offensive. They never back off. They never shut down. They fight until the promise comes to pass. They never let go. My mum, my uncle Rex, was 78 years of age when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. My mum prayed for him every day for 53 years to see him come to Christ. See, fighters, lion chasers, don't quit until the promise comes to pass. God gave my mum a promise 53 years before Uncle Rex gave his life to Christ, saying, all of your family will be saved. 53 years. The crazy thing is, is within the first three years of that promise, everybody but Rex was saved. But it took 53 years of prayer and of fighting and of not letting go and getting down into that pit and fighting and fighting and fighting until the promise came to pass. I wonder this morning for you where it's not about whether God has let you down, but have you quit fighting? Have you given up? Why don't you just close your eyes just for a moment? And I want to ask a question, and I don't mean to be harsh this morning, but I just want to, I want to stir something on the inside of you. And it's this. What would it look like if you started to fight again for the promises that God had given you? If you understand that you're on the winning team, what could your life look like? What would it look like if your whole family came to Christ that you've given up on, if you just keep fighting? What would it look like? What testimonies would come out of your world if you turned around and said, you know what, I'm on the winning side, so I know that if I don't get weary, if I don't quit in doing this, there's a reward at the end of it. What would it look like if we had a church filled with lion chasers? What would happen to our community if the roar out of the churches was so loud that it dominated the territory of the enemy? Come on. I just think, I just think we've got to get the fight back in us. I just think we've got to get the mongrel back in us. I just think we've just got to turn around and understand that I am... I am a prince and a princess. I am a child of the Most High God. And if his word says that in his name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I'm not really seeing that right now, it's because I need to go and take some territory today. And maybe the territory you need to take first and foremost is your own heart. And the team, I'm back in the fight this morning. I'm back in the fight this morning. Come on, if that's you, why don't you come? Come on, why don't you come? Come on, friend. 
Let's just have an honest moment with God this morning.